Hello and welcome to Stranger Stopping Strangers, podcast number 67. A big welcome back to anybody who's returning and thanks for stopping in to anybody who's new this week. Well, on this week's episode, I get a chance to talk to the guys behind the Instagram and website Smart Traveled, Anthony, Eric, and Oleg. And, you know, it's been a while since I have shared the conversations and music picks with some 21st century deadheads, which, gosh, I just love doing so much. Um, it's been way too long. I have a few more kind of in the queue to come up uh, down the road. I really did make up for lost time by talking to not one or two, but three of these guys all at once. I met them through their Instagram account, Smart Traveled, and you know, as it goes with strangers stopping strangers, we started following each other and then messaging, and I asked if they had any interest in being on the podcast and sharing what their deal is, and uh, here we are. So they had some really cool stories, you know, about discovering the dead, going to shows, and you know, carrying on the tradition of Kerouac, which can only be described as the great American adventure. And, you know, with this 2018 Dead and Company tour just weeks ahead, this was awesome timing to hear and share what they have up their sleeves. You know, along with enjoying the adventures, they are working on some cool documentary-style projects and uh, welcomed everybody who's listening to take part. So shoot me an email or, or find them and anyone who wants to be part of the, you know, the documentary of uh, what's going on in 2018, they welcome, you know, all walks of lives and, and, and all different aspects. Another really cool thing that they're doing is uh, they've created a digital travel brochure with info on, you know, each city that the tour is stopping in, some Grateful Dead trivia, and, you know, just an overall companion that offers some pro tips uh, for touring. And that can be found at smarttravel.com. That's S-M-R-T-T-R-A-V-E-L-E-D dot C-O-M. And always on Instagram, which is where we met and they share the same handle. This conversation was so much fun. I mean, unedited on a Sunday afternoon, I think we talked for about two hours. So yeah, it's just really inspiring and invigorating to, uh, to see and share all this, you know, youthful energy and their thoughtful perspectives uh, from guys like Eric and Anthony and Oleg. You know, and then lastly, I just want to mention Stranger Stopping Strangers is a part of the Osiris Podcast Network. And, you know, we're a group of uh, growing, like-minded podcasts that cover comedy and music and some really cool jam band podcasts and just all kinds of neat listening topics. Osiris is part of the Relics Magazine community, and there seems to be new cool affiliations and festivals and info going on each week. So to learn more, come check us out at OsirisPod.com. So as always, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you guys enjoy listening as much as we enjoyed making this episode. And I will catch you soon. Well, Eric, Anthony, and Oleg, welcome to Strangers Stopping Strangers. Thank you. Howdy. Thank you for having us. Yeah, this is awesome. I haven't, we have done a lot of like group podcasts. So this is so fun to be able to talk to all three of you at once. This is awesome. Absolutely. Thank you for having all three of us on. Yeah, this is our first podcast being featured on, so. Oh, well, welcome. (laughs) Yeah, well, this is, hopefully, it's probably one of the more low-key podcasts, and and hopefully, once you guys have been on tons and tons of them down the road, you'll think fondly back to this one as, that was pretty fun. (laughs) Uh, The the first one's always the most memorable one, so we're going to have some fun. 
Absolutely. I don't know with my experience with dead shows. I don't know if that's a fair statement. I, I've encountered some uh, recent fairly amazing shows that beat my first show. So does that apply to everything? And I could go down a total rabbit hole here. As an older woman, I will say some things get better with time. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Be some words to live by that. So we met on Instagram, which is you know very 21st century and awesome. How I get to meet people from different generations and stuff. So that's so fun. You guys have a fantastic blog. You're smart traveled. Tell tell the listeners a, a bit about that so they know who I'm talking to. Um, I guess I'll kind of kick it off because I, I guess I started it with my buddy Litho, who's actually not with us today. But we started this whole thing as a documentary. It was called I Need a Miracle. It was following us going to Chicago without tickets. And it kind of just turned into this thing we didn't expect it to. Like the trailer got a lot of hype online. Um, we ended up getting in touch with uh, Dennis McNally, who was kind enough to do a phone interview with us and put his voice on it. And then we actually got contacted by Peter Shapiro's assistant. We actually drove to Manhattan and got to go into Relix and do an on-camera interview. So, like in a matter of in a matter of like three months, it kind of exploded into this thing that we didn't expect it to explode to. And then it just turned into um, we packed up and went on the road in 2016 because they hadn't toured. I kind of got into the dead at the end of Further, um, so I didn't really get the tour lifestyle because they took the year hiatus. So we were very hyped to get back on the road and kind of get that experience for ourselves. And that's actually where I met Olick and Eric. We met them in Boston at a mutual friend of ours house. And then we kind of kept carrying it forward and carrying it forward. And then they, last summer they went on tour and we kind of had to hang back in Cleveland, take care of some things. And then they kind of took it for a whole other ride with their photos and their kind of writing. And then together we kind of just been building this little team here. And now it's kind of like we got this little group going on. Um, we're linking up with more people. Things are starting to get good. So I think, I think everything's great. Um, you could come and It's strangers in. stopping strangers. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's awesome. No, it's so cool. I'm, I uh, know, I'm so jealous. I can't even, I can't even express like if I, <laughs> the idea of, of, you know, being able to be like out there catching the tour and and all of it. It's no, it's so fucking. Hey, cool. you saw Jerry, so <laughs> it's all relative, right? It's again, it's all relative. We were laughing earlier about, you know, the torch being carried on. And one day people will be like, you saw John Mayer, right? Like, you know yeah, what you're <laughs> I saw John Mayer before his appendix got taken out. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's a big yeah, deal. All, that's the cool thing about the scene to me and just the music that's carried over time is that it's just like this never ending book. It's just another chapter and another chapter. And it's like, you know, Bobby's already said in interviews that he sees this going on past him, which is. That's funny to me because that's something I can't fathom. It's like a part of me is like, I don't know if I could go see the dead without even a single member in it. But who knows? You know, that's going to be a whole different group of people. And that's going to be a whole different torch passing. I mean, I, I don't know if I'd agree with that. I mean, I feel like I, this is going to go on either way. Like I already go to cover bands and I mean, all of us do, you know, I feel like this is going on regardless of living members. You don't decide to pass it on officially, you know, but from that official of a guy, I feel like it's going to carry on in the spirit, you know. No, I agree. And I'm ex just excited to see what happens. And I love going to the other, you know, to the bands. I love going to J-Rad. I mean, they're so good. I mean, would they, oh, totally. would they take the music to, you know, have they kind of scramble it up and put their own thing on it? And, I mean, whoever I meet, whether they're 70 years old or 19 years old or anywhere in between, like there's just this common core between deadheads where everyone's kind of looking for that all-American adventure and want to connect and want to find a family of people that have these same core values in the sense that they just the music just 
the lyrics and, and how they, you know, how they see their life. And that I really hope doesn't change, you know, because I think that that's what bides us. Absolutely. I definitely think you're onto something with it. It's going to like that vibe is going to live forever. It's just the different chapters are like the, the outside of it. You know, the skin changes because I'm a Bruce. I was my favorite drummer. I've drummed since I was little. I mean, it's like when I saw further, it's just like that dude blew my mind like that. He was up there, you know, like out playing two pieces. You know, he's playing both the Mickey and the Billy. And honestly, like in their prime, he sounds as tight as they did back, um, you know, when their their top of the top was going. And I definitely think what he's done has been amazing. It's just going to be interesting, I guess, to see what the next phase is. I love Mickey, man. But you look at some of those early Billy shows and what Billy's pulling by himself. I feel like you know he, he totally brings it to the next level, experimentation-wise. Yeah, and I mean, and O'Teal and Jeff. I mean, gosh, I just saw Golden Gate Wingman. I don't know about a month ago or so. I mean, fucking Jeff Chimetney. I mean, he is, and they're, they're all so tight. I mean, they're all such great musicians that have come together. I feel like there's so much attention that's given to John because John is, you know, doing lead guitar and a lot of the Jerry vocals, and so that's a huge core role in the history of Deadheads. But I mean, really they're all just bringing their own thing and it's awesome. You know, I think Jeff, I mean, no disrespect to Vince and I'm not a big Bruce Hornsby fan. I'll say that hate on me if you want, but this was never really felt got that fit with the band. Jeff is, you know, again, right, right there with Brent to me. I think I heard that Jeff actually has been playing with the, you know, reincarnations of the dead officially longer than any other keyboardist has. So absolutely. He's definitely, and I was down in Mexico and one thing that I was there with two other, uh, my buddies and we were like, they really like turned Jeff up. They like, they finally turned, um, his volume and like got him keyed in with everything. And it's like, it made such a difference. And And it's like the recordings, the Nugs recordings I have, like, I think they mix them wrong. I, I don't know how to say it any other way. It's like, it just doesn't sound like it does when you're there. Like, he is such a piece of the band. And he's, he's fantastic. And I have to take a, a second to definitely accredit O'Teal and Friends. I listened to a couple of those shows. And it was like, he's coming at it with a whole, like, southern blues gospel sound. And it's like, that's what really gets me excited is to not just see the songs replayed the way they've been played forever. Like but to see them, like, JGB, you know? Yeah, yeah. He, he had the, that uh, female singer, I don't I don't remember her name, but she did a couple leads where she was like pulling the lead, and it was just like they did a Janis Joplin tune, and it just brought the He's house. Got Melvin down. playing with them too. Yeah, yeah, Melvin. I love that's Melvin. Well, that's it. I, I think that's hitting on it, though. It's hitting on all cylinders. It's all the different things all coming together. And I think, again, the Deadhead spirit and the community is so one of a kind and special and different. But I think as far as like the music, like my husband and I talk about this all the time. And I think on every fucking podcast I mentioned, so I will again today, he loves great music. He's just not a Deadhead. So it, it opens up a lot of conversations. And he and I will literally just go and listen to videos of covers of you know, Eric Clapton or the Beatles or Jimi Hendrix or lots of Bob Dylan, or we'll have the conversation. I mean, my stance is Bob Dylan, number one, in my opinion, single songwriter, you know, like as far as writing the lyrics and the music by himself of the 20th century, like there's, Oh yeah, absolutely. There's rivals. I mean, you could say George Harrison, I mean, John Lennon, but it was Lennon McCartney. You could say Hunter Garcia, but that was two people or Barlow Weir's two people. Like, one fucking guy writing the best catalog by himself, you know, as far as just transcending music, I, I yeah. give it to Bob Dylan. Dylan changed the world at Newport Folk Festival, so, man, nothing was the same after Dylan went electric. Totally. Mm-hmm. 
but the covers are all better, right? right. I mean, yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. the thing, is, and that that's is the, the argument. Thing. I've never heard a Dylan song that didn't sound better when someone else was fucking singing it, you know? Like, no disrespect. No. But I mean, so I, many people think certain, like, Watchtower, everyone's, everyone's a Hendrix song, and it's, yeah. like, not at all. No, I mean, I think what finally, like, completely nailed that concept in is listening to Jerry Garcia sing Positively 4th Street. Because that's, uh, there's not a lot of covers of Positively 4th Street. That's not something that you see a lot of covers of. And when Jerry sang it, it was so fucking awesome. And I'm like, nope, officially, everybody else sings Bob's songs better. <laughs> it's all over now, baby. Some might blues, say you have a lot of nerve. Ah, so, hey, we all got to serve someone, right? You know? <laughs> no, I We're like, that... man, those tangled up in blues with those backup singers and that 90 JGB, that's some of the best. That's my favorite. Totally. My husband, Rob, and I will get into this back and forth. And he found, what's he had like one fucking song that he was like sticking to because he doesn't necessarily agree. And it was like Lay Lady Lay or something. Like, like the only song that wasn't covered, you know? And I'm like, okay, yeah. I'll give it to you on that. <laughs> no one else touched that fucking song so fine yes he's the best lay lady lay out there you know like Bob but Dylan he, was just so cool he's like I'm gonna make a country album you know what I'm gonna make a country album right now <laughs> oh so funny but yeah Tangle Up and Blue all along in the watchtower knocking on heaven's door on and on they all sound again yeah. I prefer other people's versions of it but I mean, you know it's just my opinion you know hey we all we're all entitled to our opinions Phil Lesh recently did uh with the Terrapin family band and did uh like a Rolling Stone and they just knocked the tempo down like so many rhythms it was just beautiful to hear so I mean yeah you know you're right um Eric and I have seen Bob Dylan like I seen him twice I think Eric's seen him three times at this point you know but uh yeah that's really true you know whenever you hear like some other band cover him it just sounds so much better I mean you know <laughs> at this point yeah I mean at this point in his age you know like the cigarettes are just caught up with Bob Dylan and so is all the drinking you know so his voice is just shot now there's a bunch of Frank Sinatra covers and stuff like that oh yeah, yeah when oh, I, that's he, so fun yes yeah, so it's still fun though yeah I've, I'll always catch when he comes it. around for seeing Bob Dylan actually do you know who was the really good folk artist that I caught? I caught Joan Baez, man. She was wonderful. I know, I know. Uh, Joan actually sat in with JGB before in the like the late seventies or something like that. She uh, did some songs with Jerry. They're friends. Man, that was a wonderful performance. She dated Bob Dylan too, one back in the day. Really. Uh, they, I mean, it's the American songbook changed, you know, and, and that's what I think is kind of like sort of same thing with the debt, like what's going to happen. It's the wait and see because I feel like the American songbook was changed in, you know, the second half of the 20th century and it's all new. And I don't think, you know, it's kind of like technology. It's new. We don't know where it's going, what's going to happen with it. And I think all of this music, I think it is going to be like classic Beethoven and Bach and classic jazz and there's other genres of music that go that are so much older and I think that all of this music is going to be as significant I don't think that people are going to write better music it's going to be like the same as classical music in my opinion I right I think the uh the Dutch music is really timeless you know I feel uh there's just so many arrows to it and you know I think there's something a little bit for everyone you know it's I guess it's kind of like like an acquired taste, you know, some people don't like it, but maybe, you know, they're just not ready for it, you know, so uh, I just think it kind of sticks wherever you go, you know, and yeah, it's timeless, you know, I'm sure, you know, in 50, 60 years, people will still be listening to the dead, you know, you give it 100, give it 200 years, people will still be there, you know, and I think the community will always be there, because, you know, if I, if I, you know, walk across a deadhead somewhere, it's almost like I instantly know him, you know, it's like, oh, like, you know, oh, you like, you know, what's your favorite era, what's your favorite show, it's just so easy to strike up a conversation with them, you know, so... 
I think the uh, community culture really could like drag it on, you know, for a while, honestly. I hope so, man. I hope so. From from your lips to the universe's ears, man. I hope so. I think it's a beautiful thing, and I'd hate for it to. I would hate for it to have, be time stamped. You know, I would love it to be able to to go on and on, and on. I think you make a great point about of just music in general aging because you know Beethoven at one time was the equivalent of a major artist today, but as time went on, it kind of just got he got really shoved into the archives, and it just became this. You know, now it's like a thing, and I think. I think the Grateful Dead will stand is that for rock and roll because it's we had this conversation um, a couple of weeks ago kind of about like how the dead is like this tree that comes from all these different roots. You know, you have your reggae, you have your folk, you have your blues, you have your jazz. And it's like it all grew into this like beautiful tree. And it's like I think that's what attracts. I know so many I know like a, my buddy's a jazz musician up here and he comes for a totally different aspect than I'll be there for. And then you have your people who are into the string bands and like Rumkey and stuff who come there for that kind of style. But it's like this music that all just makes sense to everyone. And I think it's just going to be studied and put on for, well, it is being studied. There's actually a, I was looking at it. There's a class in North Carolina and this professor has a class, whole class on the grateful dead. And it's a music class and it's a history class. Like they write essays and stuff and they analyze the different sounds of the arrows and stuff. Yeah, I still went awesome. to college for that. I, I was actually Googling into seeing if I could take it online. But. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that now that would have kept my interest. I may have a college degree if I could have specialized in this. <laughs> right. You know, like I maybe I would have made it past like my, I could have at least grabbed the AA or whatever it is, the associate's degree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe we'll see a Grateful Dead college sometime. Yeah. Yeah. For all us deadheads who didn't want to go to real college. <laughs> <laughs> well, the call, that's the university of Grateful Dead. I mean, that's my, um, you know, on like Facebook and shit. Like oh, that's where sure. I say I studied, you know, it's, that's as relevant as anyone ever needs to hear about, you know, <laughs> where Absolutely. my education came from. And getting on the road and meeting new people and, you know, seeing the landscape of things really, that's, I mean, I feel as though it's kind of like Plato's, uh, you know, the allegory of the cave when he said you got to leave the cave, you know, to understand how the world works. And that's that's the essential part of tour, you know, I mean, getting on the road and seeing the music and shaking hands. Yeah, the great American adventure, you know, I've heard it referred to and that's it. It's like that travel. Passed that... down from Kerouac to us, you know, exactly. <laughs> Kerouac exactly. to us. Uh, I really, I think it was in the Long Strange Trip documentary when Jerry was talking about how Kerouac just, you know, passed it down to him through his words and the music. And he, there was a part when Jerry was talking about how he wishes he could just pass that down to other people. I remember the first time I watched it, I was just like, this is tear rolling down my eye. I was like, that's so beautiful. <laughs> and he has, you know, and it will, and it'll continue. I think it's fucking awesome. Well, I want to hear some music. So, uh, so I got three of you guys, and you all picked a song, and I I'm super impressed because you all just came to me with one and usually people, you know, come to me with two or three or four and then, you know, we have to negotiate that down. But uh, who wants to, uh, who wants to talk about their song and, and go in first? Oh, you want to go ahead, man? Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll go first. I'll go first. Right on. So for me, um, personally, it's from one of my favorite shows. It's actually the show that really got me into the Grateful Dead to begin with. Closing of Winterland 78, New Year's Eve. Basically, I think the good learning from that show, it really opened my eyes to really what jam music was because there's several parts in that show where you think they're going to stop, but every time they, like, stop, you know, you know, Jay's just like, hold on, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, and just the whole time, you know, I was just, it was like 11 minutes long. I was like, dude, they just keep going and going and going, you know? So for me, that really opened my eyes to what jam music was, just the possibilities are endless, you know? And after that, kind of, like, geeked me out, you know? I was like, oh, like, 
there's so much more of this. There's so many different versions of the song that you could listen to, you know, there's, you know, like throughout the era. So that show kind of got me hooked. And that song in particular was a song that kind of like, I guess, baptized me into the Grateful Dead. Oh, that's so cool. I love that song. I remember, though, I was uh, I was uh, hanging out with Oleg one time. I was like, yeah, man, we should li- take a listen to The Grateful Dead. And he's like, I don't know if I like The Grateful Dead. I remember that moment. Things have changed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one good love and later, and it's, uh, you know, yeah, on the fucking yeah. bus. Right on. I love that song. And when I went down in Mexico, Anthony, you were in Mexico, right? I was. Yeah, that I loved. I I would say that good loving in Mexico first night was probably one of my top picks from the whole experience. I don't know. It was just for me. It was on all cylinders. I fucking. It, it was that. good, but the La Bamba was kind of um, I think too ambitious. I don't think because uh, there's like an '80s show where they do that good love and La Bamba sandwich, and that was awesome. But I I think they might have like kind of. Uh, I appreciate them doing it. Yeah, they dipped yeah, their I, toe in, right? They dipped their toe in, and then yeah, they pulled their, then the water like, was cold, and they pulled it, it back yeah, out. I can't be too critical on that. Yeah. Like Bobby definitely only remembered the word La Bamba in the lyrics, <laughs> but <laughs> but I thought it was cool. I definitely thought the good loving was good. I mean, that was that was first night. Yeah. Yeah. First night. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was a that was a rocking show. I mean, I saw, I think second night takes the cake for me, but I remember leaving the first night. Like I don't think I'll ever see that set list like that jam packed again. And I definitely good love it. And that was the first set closer, if I remember yeah. Man, I really hope they go for playing in the sand number two. I really got to make it down there. I'm too jealous of you guys, Stacey and uh, Anthony. Uh, yeah, you should be. Join the <laughs> I, just show, I just showed them the uh, swag bag today when they came over. Oh, uh, you should be. It was awesome. Let's go back. Let's go back to 1978, because I could, again, as you bring up Mexico, I could talk about that for like the next like 45 minutes, then nobody gets to hear any music. <laughs> Let's go back to Winterland, the closing. And yeah, I love this show. This is such a fun show. There's just the energy is, is off the charts. And uh, have a little good loving, and then we'll come back with more stories and a couple more songs.
Listening to Good Lovin' at Winterland in 1978, the closing of Winterland, December 31st. And we are going to go on to a few more stories and a few more songs. So I want to hear Anthony's, your song and Eric's song, but uh, I want to ask just a little bit more about like your tour plans. Like, tell me about uh, what you guys, you know, I heard a little bit about the, what, what got you guys kicked off. But uh, what do you guys got in store for a 2018 summer tour? Well, this year, um, as a as a blog and a company, we're actually going to be rolling out a line of T-shirts and some merchandise, which is actually the first time we've released this information. So if this comes out a little before we release it, this could be breaking news, I suppose. But we will be coming out with a line of different shirts and stuff. And then we're also doing a uh, travel brochure kind of for people to download for free. Um, it's just going to be a little like ebook, kind of like what they did down in Mexico, where it's just going to give you some information on the cities and uh, all the different good stuff, places for you to see some history facts about the city regarding the dead and stuff, kind of just a cool little piece. And then we will be, Eric and Olick and our buddy Hayden, who's also not here, um, they will be jumping on the road doing the West Coast this summer, and I'll kind of be hanging out on the East, but we uh, plan to kind of be doing as much as we can and being out there. Uh, Eric, you want to jump in maybe a little bit on the, your guys' plans moving out West? Oh, I'm doing Cincinnati and Deer Creek, and then afterward, Blossom's our hometown show. I live five minutes away from Blossom, actually. And then we're headed out to Alpine, and then we're going the whole West Coast and ended up in Boulder. And But, uh, yeah, we're just going to, you know, try to get this m- momentum going with, you know, what we're doing with the merchandise. And what, we're writing the brochures right now for every city out West right now. And uh, we're going to next up is on the East Coast we're writing for. But we're basically finding just the highlights in each city and things like that and you know, because I feel as though, you know, you need a companion guide a little to the road sometimes because it gets rough. You know, I feel like, you know, what I know now from last year's tour, I feel as though if I would have, you know, got that all in my brain beforehand and like a little manual or something, it would have been a good help for my first time, you know, taking on the road and seeing multiple shows. And I feel as though, you know, people could benefit from that. Definitely. Yeah, that's awesome. No, I didn't know anything about this. That's totally cool. And no, that's exciting to let people know that this is a. Uh... This is going to be available to them. How we're, fun. We're, so we're working with a really uh, wonderful artist, too. Uh, her name's uh, Zaz Corp. She's designing our cover, and it's beautiful. We're using all of uh, Jerry's guitar characters and things like that. Uh, there can be it's, uh, wonderful cartoon images, very reminiscent of, um, it's like a neon not I'm not Disney, but uh, it'll be cool. We're coming out with, we got a, a bunch of cool stuff. Uh, half of our team here is kind of videographers and photographers so we do have a lot of images like so this brochure is going to be very laid out with images of us from the road like on shakedown um doing kind of things we do and then we're going to kind of be looping that around in a little bit of a uh i don't want to call it a fan club but a way to get some exclusive content we're going to be putting that i need a miracle is going to be released for free um it's going to be it's a 30 minute documentary on the fairly well shows um we're going to be shooting some footage this summer too and hopefully releasing some more content so we're kind of trying to just do as much as we can while we can do it. 
We're trying to be yeah, like, like so the fun. next, you know, the Dupree's Diamond News of the next generation, you know. Yeah. And you know, awesome. we will be uh, keeping up with reviews and our articles on while uh, everyone's on the road, too. So anyone who can't make it to the shows this summer should definitely uh, head over to smrtravel.com and make sure cool. to stay up on the, on the information. Well, I'm going to talk with you guys offline. I want to be a special correspondent at the shows that I'm at. Maybe I can do like a, you can do like a segment or something. I would How love fun that. would that yeah, be? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we, That's our thing we we're can... trying to do is just reach out to, I mean, we're like, this is a great connection we've made now that we're, you know, we're on the podcast, but it's like, it seems like this tight knit circle of people trying to do stuff with the scene. It's like everyone's so ready to just like help each other out, which I think right. is so, totally. um, so unique coming from other businesses I work with, with film and stuff where everyone's kind of like, garden their own and yeah and it's well, like it's a competitive versus a yeah like i'd love to be your correspondent yeah. but i don't want to i don't need to get paid for it oh, <laughs> i don't right. make a fucking dollar you know <laughs> like i just think it'd be fun you know to you know part of a a project but yeah it's coming from such a like uh, an organic like rooting for you how fun yeah how yeah, can you totally. contribute kind of a way yeah that's so awesome that's what's cool like th- that's how this started too was we're now releasing a product and it's kind of because you know we met a, our, one of our close buddies who's a part of the team he prints shirts for a living so it just made so much sense to kind of try to do it but it's like it's all been from nothing but love since the beginning and i think that's like why we have built such a fan base that's why we've made these connections and stuff and i'm i'm glad uh, we're meeting like-minded folks like yourself there's so too. much inspiration too around us there's wonderful artists you know coming back with all these you know different corporations of the you know the dead's designs you know you see everything in a steely there isn't anything you know that you could find that isn't in a steely somewhere you know and these artists then nowadays, um, more now than ever, I'd say, are taking advantage of just like the wonderful artwork that the dead have you designed over the, you know, many years. So oh, absolutely. Inspiration, yeah. you know, moves us to to do so. I guess eventually. I, one day, I just wrote a, actually how me and Anthony kind of got to writing. Uh, one day, I just wrote a review for Shits and Giggles, and uh, I sent it over to him. I was like, "Yeah, dude, what you want to like." You know, release these on that so many roads thing we had for going for a while and kind of it was a revival <laughs> that's so cool anybody's listening right so this is you know podcast getting the word out here nationally internationally i think this is downloaded and you know anyone overseas <laughs> that's <laughs> making it over no it's like 80 countries or something fucking awesome like that's that rad, but you know right people on. listen in every state so anyone who's listening to this podcast and you guys are going to be like you know at the shows e- email me email them i'll put the email link on the page at um, my page is strangerstoppingstrangers.com so anyone who's listening that has something to contribute and bring to the table like reach out be really you know sounds like really fun shit to be part of absolutely thank you very much for the uh, plug and we definitely would love to talk to anyone who wants to uh get down and do some stuff we have an easy contact form on our website um we have an email we're all we're even active on the instagram that's how we linked up so we're always ready to talk to whoever right on and and none of us are getting paid just none of us are getting paid (laughs) (laughs) so anyone who's like why just just a sidebar anyone who emails or calls or wants to get involved in our exciting project your project now i'm calling it our project i've totally honed in on it um our project right on uh yeah no one's getting paid (laughs) (laughs) it's mutual art man and no tickets yeah no upgrades no tickets yeah no no scarlet packages here yeah no (laughs) vip (laughs) 
Yeah, we'll smoke you out in the parking lot. Yeah, we'll smoke you out in the parking lot. Ten on the parking lot. Yeah, that's where yeah. the party's gonna be at. <laughs> we'll give you a beer. Yeah, For that's sure. then you can join. Maybe a natty ice or like an old PBR, but you know it'll work. <laughs> that's it, guys. Now you know. Living, we're not living large now, out here. <laughs> no. So everybody who wants to come and be part of your project, shoot us an email. Shoot you an email. And uh, you can come for a joint and a beer. Right or a, a toke off a the, joint. The invitation has been officially made. We'll see you guys on the road this summer. <laughs> All right. Well, well, let's get back. Okay, we're throwing it back farther again. So this is like, I love this about you guys. Like, when I love talking to, you know, different people from all different generations, and I call you guys the 21st century deadheads. I love that two of the three songs are not, are like throwbacks, right? Like, you know, as far as just really studying the music and being into all the different eras. Uh, so let's hear a little bit about the next pick from the Grateful Dead. All right. Here, here comes, comes Sunshine out of me. I chose this particular version of Here Comes Sunshine because it's actually the last version they played for 19 years. Um, and I was learning it. I'm, as I said before, I'm a drummer. So me and my buddies kind of just um, I've got to experience the music kind of playing it as well, which has given me like this whole other look at it um, and appreciation kind of for the shows even. So we're playing, and I kind of started digging into the history of it, and I was pretty surprised to find out they only played this song for 379 days upon its original release. Um, and it debuted with, like, a lot of heavy hitters. It debuted with Eyes of the World. It debuted with China Doll. It debuted with Jimmy Rowe. And those songs just lived forever. And this song lived for about a year, and they did play it a lot. But then it just disappeared until uh, 92, I believe. And then they kind of played it till the end of the, there. And But this version is good. Um, and it's super it's, jazz it in 74. Yeah. And it, yeah. Uh, it jams and it's like, it's so funny. It's just like, I'm trying to put myself in their mind where it was like, all right, we're never playing this for another 19 years. And it's just kind of interesting to me that that is, that this song took such a backseat, um, for a long time. And they, so yeah. this is the last, so this is the last one before they put it up on the shelf. Yes. This is the last version they played. And then the, it didn't make its appearance again until December 6th, 1992. Play it quite a bit towards the end. So it definitely was a tune that a lot of people um, who were in the 90s are hip to. And it's it's a good one that they brought back. And I know Further's played it and stuff. But it's just so interesting to me that, like, like where could they have gone with this? Like, imagine the 77 dead bringing back Here Comes Sunshine or, like, the mayor's got those really bluesy here comes sunshines. We were listening to the City Field one earlier, and uh, you know when Mayor hops on that, it's kind of like a Stevie Ray Vaughan dead almost <laughs> with his blues. Oh, and I stuff. love it. Yeah, I love it. Well, it's Wake at the Flood, and it's so fascinating. I'm like, I'm so enlightened by all the stuff you guys are sharing because it's it's really interesting to me. Um, personally, because I didn't know the song at all, right? Like I wasn't familiar with it in, I mean, I, maybe I had heard it, but it certainly wasn't in my top 30 even, right? Like I wasn't familiar with it at all. And, uh, when I started making the podcast, I discovered that the show, there was a show on April 2nd, 1973, which later became a Dave's pick, but I was born April 2nd, 1973. And so to me, it was like really cool that there was, I'm from the West Coast and they were here in Boston and I live in Massachusetts. And, you know, there was like just this whole weird kind of universal thing to me when I saw a Boston show. And then it's a fucking awesome show, right? Like I'm like looking at it and I got to know Here Comes Sunshine through that show when I, like two years ago. And I didn't know much about the song because as going to shows, like most of my music was, late 80s before 80 
98 to 91, 92. So that everything you're sharing totally makes sense as to why I wasn't really familiar with it. Yeah, that's it's 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 interesting to hear that you were a part like were there when it wasn't being played because that's kind of like where the bafflement is. Is like I think it could have lived. I think this song honestly could have stood up with the other one, like the other big songs that they do. Oh, wake totally! No, oh, it's one of the best fucking songs. I love it. It's right. totally one of my favorites now. It's absolutely. <clears throat> you know, I'm thrilled to hear like the story behind it and everything. And and yeah, they came out swinging with it with uh, that whole wake of the flood because that was in '73, right out run the run those shows and bunch of debuts mm-hmm. with wrote jimmy and yeah, fucking awesome weather report sweet let it grow that honestly i feel like as though that's one of my probably my favorite studio dead album for sure i mean right up there with you know your american beauty and stuff like that but i think wake of the flood takes a pick for me honestly that was the interesting I thing agree. when i kind of got into uh the band was that they took that hiatus with further for a year or whatever and bobby didn't really play and no one was playing and i kind of just cracked out on these cds and tapes which now I look back and I'm like, it's given me such a cool appreciation for it that I don't think I would have grabbed as much if I just jumped into the dead and company scene or whatever. Well, you guys just put a huge piece of the puzzle together for me. Excellent. Today. Thank that makes, you. That yeah, makes me so I happy learned something I... today. Yeah, Excellent. no, I I absolutely learned something today. I uh, I'm picking away at my my Grateful Dead Dead and Company, you know, historical in grateful dead university i'm still working at grateful dead university to get my degree and you guys definitely had a really good lesson thank you thank you so much so we're going to go back to february 23rd 1974 and then we got a couple more stories and one more song so everybody enjoy Oh, 
Well, back from listening to the last Here Comes Sunshine for quite some time, we're going to move exponentially into like almost current time, the future, um, because Eric, you picked a dead company song. So I want to hear just a little bit about your, you know, discovery with the, you know, going to the shows and so for me, you know, I'm 21 and I'm a post Jerry Deadhead, right? And you know, I was I found the Dead when I was like 16 or so, and I'd listen to studio albums and things like that. And I got really hooked when I started listening to some 1972 Europe shows and you know Vanita and things like that. And you know, I tried getting a fairly well, and I got shut out. We sent it with the mail-in envelopes and everything, and then you know. That was a joke for us. but And back then, I didn't know that you could just go and then you'd get in, you know? Like, now I know right. you could just go and then you'll, you if you really want to be there, you'll be there, right? But, right. you know, so Dead & Company was, you know, that was another chance for us. And so for 2016, when 2016 Summer Tour rolled around, after the fall tour, I caught the Columbus show on that. And when I heard that China Rider and that second set, Eyes of the World, I was absolutely hooked. And, you know, I just... I said to myself, I have to see this as many times as possible. And the, the following summer, me and my friend, you know, Oleg here, uh, we organized like a little East Coast tour going on. And uh, we had no place to stay. We we're in uh, Boston. And, you know, we planned to go to Boston. We bought our tickets and everything. And we sent out a plea on Facebook, you know, basically just asking for a place where we could crash for the night. And luckily enough, a random stranger, uh, Sean, he hit us up and he said, yeah, come through. And, uh, so oh, you know, this so complete cool. stranger in uh, Boston, we arrived at his house with like, eight of our friends, and uh, you know, eight of our friends are uh, we're not. You've been <laughs> on the road for a while, right? And so our eight friends are kind of stinky too, and you know that whole thing's going on. <laughs> and uh, awesome. you know, we show up at this guy's house. He treats us to pizza and joints and everything, and it's great. And we're all chilling. And the next day, we uh, made it over to. Fenway and that was our first time on the road catching a bunch of shows consecutively and that that second set Terrapin just as actually a funny story when we were at the in the second set when they busted out that Terrapin me and Oleg were making our way to the pit we were trying to sneak into the pit and literally right when Bobby said inspiration move me brightly me and Oleg just broke into the pit it was insane (laughs) but that was the moment when we made it for our kind of uh experience we were making our way up to the pit, and uh, we got stopped. I recently wrote this uh, in a little article that I recently wrote. But um, right before the pit, like, before you get in there, there's two security guards, like, watching us, you know. And that was the first big go. You know, they were actually doing their job, and, like, we couldn't sneak past them, you know. But um, that's the night they did uh, a Black Money River. And um, it was one of the most beautiful Black Money Rivers, too, as well, because I remember everyone was, like, bawling their eyes out. I remember the security guards like looked at me and Eric crying our eyes and they just moved Aww. to the side and left into the actual pit for the uh, closing uh, U.S. Blues. So We're just like, yeah, yeah, we know <laughs> you're very impassioned right now, so we'll just let you guys in. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're like, well, it's so different. I mean, I always kind of trip out at like the people who work at venues, how it must be when like the dead, you know, roll into town or anything dead related versus like other things, because it's the same ushers and stuff working for other shows. sports events or whatever so it's like a pretty big adjustment i'm sure you know so like a lot of times people that are trying to bang into the pit like they're they're all uh, you know they're going in to be aggressive or who knows what people are drunk and you know they fight and you know so it must take them a little while like skunk dude yeah like the deadheads are just so like again like emotional like you're saying you're crying like you're just into it like you weren't gonna like jump into the pit to go like pound on someone 
No, <laughs> we, know, we just like, want a better view. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm sure like, they have to adjust to that, I'm sure. Like, I was at the the Rock and Roll Resort in Hudson Valley a couple weeks ago. Not to be very brief on this, but it was so fucking cool. And it was like a camping indoors. It was this dilapidated kind of old hotel, like dirty dancing era. <laughs> the Catskills, right? Like those Catskills vacation places. And But like hadn't been touched probably since 1970. Like pretty fucking gross. And it was a weekend like festival inside. So all the deadheads, it was so cool. Like they came, they, all the travel, like all these guys and gals, families, kids, you know, like they come in and they're, they're like camping. They've got their coolers. They've got their blankets. They've got their dogs. It was a dog friendly place. And uh, I think like it was like a campsite where every third room people had dogs. Like it wasn't like the occasional someone brought their little dog or a guide dog. Like there was probably hundreds of dogs <laughs> place and it was so cool and I was talking to the bartender at like midnight and there must have been 30 dogs in the lobby some of them in costume (laughs) and I'm like do does other people who roll through do they bring this many dogs and the guy was like I've never seen anything like this it's it's definitely an adjustment I just think the circus really comes to town I know we're in Fenway and um funny story here when we were getting no it was actually Wrigley Field last year for the tour closer and we were when we were getting in we had some pins that we were selling and my friend just tried selling a pin to one of the guys letting us in the security he's like yo man you want to buy a pin for $15 (laughs) so yeah they definitely need to adjust the whole lot thing too because you know who else does the whole lot thing I mean I guess tailgating for football games and stuff but shit you know shake that that's a whole city that's that's definitely yeah. like a traveling bazaar, you know? Yeah, I mean, someone's not like going in to see Bon Jovi and be like, I got a Bon Jovi pin, you know? <laughs> like, it's not, like in line, you know? Like it's it's a different crowd, you know? Like, yeah, yeah even like a Pearl Jam or who's, anybody. Yeah, who's got there. my Bon Jovi miracle? <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. They probably call them prayers, living on a prayer. Living on, yeah, who's got my prayer? <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking but awesome. Yeah, Wasn't that, he just inducted to the Hall of Fame? What's that? Wasn't he just inducted to the Hall of Fame? Yeah, like out, out your year. way? Like this weekend, right? Oh, is he? Did, oh, oh, yeah. He's, he's probably Simone. in Cleveland. He's actually probably down the street no, right Nina now. Simone was uh, inducted this year. Oh, not Bon Jovi. Yeah, they, no. Oh, I think they inducted the Moody Blues. The Moody Blues. Was no, I think they just did the first ever song induction. I don't really? know if I'm reading that. I'm remembering this correctly, but I think Bon Jovi, a song of theirs, got inducted, which they've never done before. Um, but don't. I nominate me. Terrapin. <laughs> yeah, let's go. Yeah, it's your Terrapin. Let's go. Yeah, no, that show was fucking awesome. No, let's go back. Throw it back to Terrapin. That was so much fun. That was. Uh, I now this date. I know this was June sixteenth, two thousand sixteen. Yeah, I believe. Yeah, it was June sixteenth. What a day there it was. <laughs> there it They're is. There it is. Show too. Yeah, that's actually right when I met Anthony at that stranger's house. This is I, at this point I didn't know who Anthony was, and we show up the stranger's house, and our friends are, you know, they just say that their friends from the road are coming, and you know they're gonna be here any minute, and I knock at the door, and then there's Anthony standing there, and I slept in my truck for the record in the park in the in the, in the driveway, so we didn't. They put ran out of body. beds inside. Yeah, <laughs> we we're like I'm in the truck. <laughs> Shouts out to uh, Sean and so Heather. Fun. Yeah, Sean yeah, and well, Heather, thank we you. Love you we guys. love you guys. What's up? No, that was a that was a fucking awesome show. My sister Michelle flew out from California. Like she brought my kids back to the East Coast and she she flew them across the country and I was at a sales meeting in Boston 
And I went and picked her up and like said hi and bye to the kids. And then her friend from back in from middle school, Emily. So Emily's older brother's the guy who got my sister and her friend into the dead back in like 86 or 87. Mm -hmm. So we used to go to shows with them like a you know lifetime ago. So Emily's still one of my sister's best friends and her and her husband flew in. So yeah, it was so fucking fun. I mean, what a great weekend that was, was like hot. at Fenway. That was oh, the moment so that really convinced fun. me that, you know, touring was possible if you put your mind to it. Had no place to stay a day earlier and then bam, there we get it and Terrapin and that there was a dark star in that second set too. Saint that Steven. was amazing. No, Donna came out. Oh, Remember, yeah, like Donna, the, yeah, the music Donna never spots. Show, Donna yeah. came out on that. For that it music was, uh, never stopped opener. That was beautiful. Yeah, I think it was Jack Straw without her. I just because I just looked at this because uh, a new friend of mine was there. We were going through the set list. I think it opened with Jack Straw without Donna, and then she popped on for "Music Never Stops." It was oh, the second yeah. song. Yeah. And it was like ah, that whole set list was was on fire. That was that was so yeah. They good. brought her that, up that a few times show. this summer. They did yeah. that really, you know, this this past year at Fenway, they did that special acoustic first set Dark Star. That was, that came out of left field. I, I totally thought that that was about the bird song at first. And then I'm thinking, no, that's the Dark Star lick. That yeah, the no, Fenway was cool. They're both cool, both years. My sister flew out for both, actually, and my friend Liz. So, hey, Michelle. Hey, Emily. Liz. Like, yeah, so fun. Those have been – I've had my sisters come meet me on the East Coast, and literally my sister's coming out for City this year. So We'll be at it'll be City her. for sure. Yeah, so that's my uh, Michelle, my fucking big sister, my mentor, my champion, the woman who introduced me to the Grateful Dead, you know, for the most part. She's uh, making her third tour out to the East Coast for uh, for a city this year. Right on. So fun. All right, well, let's go in. Let's listen. Let's go back. So June 16th, 2016, Terrapin Station, and then we will come back and say goodbye.
Well, back from listening to Terrapin Station from Fenway 2016. And, oh, my God, this has been so much fun, you guys. I'm so enjoying it. It's been a pleasure. It's going to be hard yeah. to top this podcast. I know we were joking about that in the beginning, but I'm almost probably not going to do another one. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, and for listeners, I do. I tape the whole conversation and then create the podcast. So I don't know how much of this is going to be aired. You know, it'll be the, the standard amount. But for anyone who's still listening to this podcast, we're an hour and a half in on conversation. So, like, there's been <laughs> there's so much that's not that you won't even hear, you know, mm-hmm. like so much fun. So much fun. Thank you guys. Thank so you. Much. So much. Thank you, Stacey. This was a lot of fun. This is what it's all right about, on. you know, just lifting each other up and things like that. So well, thank you, Stacy. Uh, my pleasure. And I'll have all the info on the blog. I think I know a lot of you guys listening are on like iTunes or Stitcher or SoundCloud or you're driving or whatever. But StrangerStoppingStrangers.com will have like the links and, and everything. So go back and revisit and it's all going to be on there. Yeah, Come on the road with us this summer, yeah. 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 Right on. All right, well, bye. Bye. Thanks again. This podcast is in the loop, the Legion of Osiris Podcasts. What does that mean? Osiris is a community of great music and culture podcasts. If you like this one, go check out others at osirispod.com and get in the loop. Osiris is partnered with Relics Magazine at relics.com. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Season 1 of Dope History is now available at DopeHistory.com. Dope History weaves you through the lives of those who have been touched by cannabis or have had an influence on the events that shaped our laws or relationships with this plant. You'll hear tales from Frenchie Cannoli, Keith Strop, Eddie Lepp, Tom Alexander, Ed Rosenthal, Wolf Seagull, Jorge Cervantes, and Tommy Chong. Available now at DopeHistory.com.